remember several years ago, I was sitting a Vipassana 10-day meditation retreat. And I had done, you know, many, many retreats by now and was very familiar with the whole process of what to do and what was the technique and, you know, how to proceed. So, you know, it was all about purification of the mind through the sensations and breath and observation of things as they are. And what, in this specific retreat, it was out in, you know, kind of a very sort of remote region in Canada outside of Montreal. And I remember sitting there and it was again and again and again this immense feeling of grief and loss. And not for a specific person or, you know, um, you know, something in my life that I had lost that was tangible, but it was the loss of my former self and the understanding, the realization that I could not go back to being ignorant anymore. I had all these memories of my time in college, you know, this, this time before I had entered very seriously the spiritual path and I was in my mind you know when I was sitting in meditation I was oh this just very uh, carefree you know blissful human being that you know wasn't tied so much to the actions and the karma of my actions you know the fruits of my actions and in my mind, I was just imagining, oh, this former Kushi as just this wonderful freedom, this wonderful openness to do what I wanted without any repercussions for my actions. Not that I was doing horrible things, but just the image, the feeling was that, wow, ignorance is truly bliss. Really, really believing that and just grieving the fact that I could never, ever, ever now that I had made this decision in my life to walk, you know, the path of yoga, I could never, ever, ever go back to being ignorant. Namaskar, friends, and welcome to Atha Yoga Anushasana. This podcast is devoted to bringing the ancient teachings of yoga to the wild and weird world of the modern 21st century. It may seem as though we are flying blind, but luckily we have a roadmap in the form of the Vedas, Upanishads, Sutras, and Tantras that can help us navigate amidst the changing tides of life. We'll be addressing a range of topics related to yoga, from philosophy to practice to lifestyle and Ayurveda, and of course, to current situations and how we can approach them with yogic thought, speech, and action. For more information and questions, visit www.kushyoga.com. That's K-H-U-S-H-Y-O-G-A. I'm your host, Kushi Malhotra. So come on, let's take a look and see what's going on. Namaste, friends. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, good night, you know, wherever you are in the world, whatever time zone you are listening from, it's really quite incredible and overwhelming, right, how much we can connect to each other across 
waters, right, across land, across deserts, across mountain ranges, and somehow find each other. And you have found this podcast, you have found me, and I have found you. And I'm very grateful for all of you who are encouraging me to continue. You know, I have to admit, it's been a little bit of a while, maybe over a month since I, you know, posted the last first, you can say the first episode and my last episode. (laughs) So, um... I was feeling a little shy, you know, I was feeling a little shy about continuing and putting, you know, my words and thoughts out there, mainly because I'm so overwhelmed by how many individuals in this world are putting out their truth, their falsehoods, whatever it may be, but there's a lot of exposure of so many human beings in this world right now through social media. And it really makes me feel, mm, do I have something to contribute in the way where I want to share with others so publicly, so vocally? Um, Should I continue doing that? And, you know, I'm grateful for my friends and family who say, yes, you should. (laughs) But, you know, this is our own mind stuff. This is something that each one of us deals with all the time, the own doubts about self, the right action, the right way to move forward. And I feel that this is an important topic. And, you know, the topic itself had been in my mind since I recorded the first episode. And it was definitely, I knew that this is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the glaciers. I want to talk about the root cause of all our suffering, all our pain, you know, what causes bondage for human beings on this planet. And the kleshas, you know, talked about in Patanjali's Yoga Sutras and even before that, are about the afflictions or the obstacles to our own inner knowing, our own buddhi, our own peace, and this flow of intuitive knowledge that can come forth, right, when the kleshas are not existing in that moment. So the kleshas themselves, right, this, the root of the kleshas, the one that really is kind of the mastermind, you know, in Buddhism, we say Mara, Mara, right, Mara is the one who is like the trickster, who makes you believe falsehoods, (laughs) And the falsehoods of who you are, the falsehoods of what is important, what is not important, even now in the spiritual world, so much Mara, so many tricksters around, right? We have to be so careful in in the current age, especially in the age of Corona, whatever is happening in the world, right? In India, we say it's the Corona Kal, right? It sounds very ominous, but the time of Corona, the age of Corona, where you know, it's a new reality for so many people, new reality for those of us also, you know, trying to make the world a more unified, harmonious place, and at the same time, still working on purifying ourselves. So, you know, there's a recognition that the perfection has not been attained of our own inner bodies, our own energies, but we still feel called 
to share, to teach, to inspire, you know, in the moments that, um, that alignment occurs, that is possible for us, you know, to share energy, to share uh, a kind word or a kind gesture for another person or being on this planet. So where do we begin with these kleshas, right? It's the beginning is in the very first impulse of life itself, right? The the dance of, you can say, Purusha and Prakriti and this dance of the active and passive, the manifest and unmanifest, right? The qualities of the universe where the pool of energy is and what manifests, what is created from that energy. And in yoga, you can say the philosophy of yoga, the religion of yoga, the spirituality of yoga, right? Everyone has a different um, (laughs) uh, word that they like to use for what yoga is, depending on their place of birth, depending on the current time period. So, you know, I really encourage all of you, be very loose in your definitions, right? Let's not try to attach so strongly to our preferences and likes and dislikes that we exclude others. And I think for me, this is the most saddening part about everything that's happening in the world is exclusion, exclusion, exclusion. Even those who are trying to find a voice doing so in a way that excludes others. And, you know, for me, teaching in the yoga world and seeing what's going on all around, um, it really breaks my heart to see how much we push each other down instead of really being inclusive of all perspectives, all ideas, but with a firm grasp on creating and being in integrity ourselves as teachers, as practitioners, as students. So back to the first two, right? Purusha and Prakriti. (laughs) So in yoga, we say that the gunas, right? The, The gunas are basically the constituents of nature. And they're very important. So the whole universe is said to be created through these three aspects of this creative potential, right? One is sattva, which is characterized by light. And sattva is what really keeps the higher purpose of life in full view, right? It's that clarion call that drives us, that guides us amidst whatever happens in our life. We always find that North Star. Whenever we look up, whenever we're lost, that North Star is there to guide us, and that's sattva. You know, that's the principle of sattva. And then rajas is there. Rajas is the movement, right? Constant activity and movement that really feeds the attachment to worldly objects, right? It keeps us, I feel it's a very human kind of trait, right? It's it's what we know. It's what, what is familiar to us. Very rajasic movement, activity, um, constant attachment to things in the world. And then there's tamas, right? Tamas is the quality of inertia, inertia, right? That which makes us kind of slothful or fatalistic or uninspired. And it definitely leads to a lot of dullness and confusion, right? Confusion about the path, confusion about ourselves, insecurities about who we are and where we're going. 
so the these three constituents right of nature of prakriti itself sattva rajas and tamas their combination their permutations right they all lead to different aspects of our personality different aspects of our emotional being our mental being our physical being and the awakening of these five kleshas or afflictions right the when these kleshas when these afflictions are present in our mind then the power of the gunas the power of the sattva rajas tamas uh is accelerated right and that can be for positive or negative gain when we talk about the kleshas it's really about obscuring the light of obscuring that which is true obscuring um wisdom within ourselves so it really causes a foundation to be created that connects cause and effect and brings action to fruition right so this cause and effect chain of karma is motivated so much by the kleshas motivated so much by the you know five main causes of our suffering that um you know when they arise in our mind because of what's stored in there when they're arising in our mind they are then you know carrying forth the chain of cause and effect to to be present in our lives and then this chain of cause and effect turns the wheel right this wheel of samsara the wheel of the dukkha of suffering and the wheel that keeps us rolling in life and birth and death and decay right and then once we realize this truth of suffering like the buddha said right the first noble truth suffering exists it's a very important important thing that we need to understand that suffering is there the realization of the truth of suffering once we realize this once we know it we can replace ignorance with wisdom with avidya with vidya right and this is really truly the first step the first step to i can say beginning the path of yoga because we are realizing that so much of what we thought was giving us happiness joy is actually binding us it's causing you know chains and shackles to be attached to our legs and feet and not letting us be free in our movement in our liberation uh i tell you another little image i had uh, this is another vipassana retreat a longer retreat um i sat for 30 days in um in england and wow you know at 30 days continuous silence continuous inner work inner purification you come across a lot of these kleshas come across a lot of ignorance and there was something that was happening in my life that was you know causing a lot of suffering right i was very much identifying with what was happening and you know <laughs> being the victim which is you know what we all love to do and i had a flash of insight a flash of wisdom where literally my buddhi showed me what i was doing to myself and the image that came to me so strongly was 
a complete black void. Nothing in it, nothing above it, nothing below it. And in that black void, I was floating. And attached to my limbs were chains and shackles. And they were pulling in all directions, but not attached to anything themselves. They just disappeared into this void, into this infinity of blackness, of ignorance. And there I was just floating, struggling, you know, really trying to free myself by uh, reacting so strongly and pushing and pulling against these shackles. And I realized, oh my God, this is all my mind creation. This is all the obstacles that come up that make us believe that something else is binding us. Someone else is shackling us. Something else is limiting our freedom of expression, our freedom of who we are. But, you know, the most, I can say, devious (laughs) prison guard is our own mind, right? The one who binds us the most, the one who creates the most difficulty. Of course, outside circumstances do not help many of us in this world, but the one that really causes the most pain and suffering is our own mind. And so yoga is really about creating a friend in the mind, finding maitri, friendship in the mind, rather than making the mind one's own enemy. And to do that, right, to eliminate those kleshas, those obstacles to samadhi, right, the obstacles to this communion between mind, body, and breath, right, is the self-introspection process, the self-reflection process that is... I feel truly and only present in meditation. If we want to be free of this cause and effect chain that binds us, then one has to dive into the mind stuff, right? The chitta vrittis. And the deeper layers of the mind stuff in yoga called the samskaras or in our Pali language in Buddhism called Sankaras, right? And the, the basic foundation, like I said before, is avidya, avidya, pure ignorance. And this ignorance is the root cause of all afflictions, of all the other four. If ignorance didn't exist, then the other four, right, couldn't manifest because ignorance is the parent, you know, it's the one who births all of them. And ignorance has a high constituency of tamas. Remember, tamas is this inertia, this confusion about who we are, right? It's that void, that black void, this cloudiness, this inability to see clearly right, through the the sky to pierce and penetrate to the solar sun itself, the illuminating light, the mother light itself. So in the sutras, it's, you know, Patanjali talks about what is avidya. 
And he says that avidya is basically mistaking impermanence, impurity, suffering, and non-being for eternity, purity, happiness, and pure being, right? It's false, right? Whatever we are considering, whatever we are grasping, we're grasping onto a false sense of I, right? The false sense of understanding and believing, really truly believing that I am this body. I am my thoughts. I am my emotions. Nothing more, nothing less, right? And for so many people on this planet, so many human beings, I can only speak for my brothers and sisters of the human being race, right? I cannot speak for the animals and other visible, invisible beings on this planet, but for human beings, it is definitely, definitely a strong identification with this body and with this mind, right? And through the practice of yoga, right, it's really about loosening that identification, right? Really feeling that this body is like a garment that can be cast off and that, you know, in um, Sankhya or in the Bhagavad Gita, it says that, you know, believing that I am this body is like believing, taking the, the rope for the snake, when you see a, you know, a rope on the, on the road and it's a little bit, you know, during that dusk time where you can't quite see clearly, right? And you see this figure on the road and you, you know, you get intensely afraid because you think it's a snake and it's about to attack you. And then you go into fast forward of going to the hospital and am I going to die? And then did I make a will and all of these things, right? So it's same thing we do on a much deeper and much more scary level, I can say, with our own body and our own mind stuff, our own chitta vrittis. We truly believe, right? And that this is this is who we are and this is how we've always been. But yoga and other practices give us a glimpse and so many beings on this planet are being given a glimpse out, out of their normal complacency and out of the day-to-day affairs, which can be frightening. It can be very confronting to see that what we've given value to actually has been causing us suffering and causing us to be tied in a way that we didn't even know, right? And that's the part about ignorance is bliss. That bliss of not even knowing that there is another reality out there. I really can start to understand, right, the difficulty of many of us who are realizing there are other realities out there and really just kind of, you know, making our way to neither here on this shore, neither there on that shore. We are in the middle of the river, right? Huffing and puffing, trying to get our boats to the other side, but not really sure where we end up, right? And so both realities are known. Both realities are accepted. The material reality of this body, this mind, right? The the, uh, responsibilities in the world and roles in the world we have to play and fulfill, and the other reality, and you all know what I am talking about, right? It's a glimpse of another reality that gives 
uh, a moment for sattva, this light of wisdom to penetrate. And it really shakes one to the core of who one is. And that avidya, depending on how strong your avidya is, right? you either move towards that, which you do not know, no matter what, or you move towards it sometimes, and then sometimes go back to what's comfortable, or you choose to forget. You choose to forget the experience. You choose to forget the feeling of illumination because it represents an unknown that is so uncomfortable that one cannot bear it. And it's easier to just go back to the ignorance is bliss, the ignorance is true way of life. From avidya, right? From avidya. And I have to say, avidya, I don't want to talk about avidya as though it is a negative. Nature itself is as it is. And avidya too is as it is. Ignorance just is. But it is this ignorance, it is this suffering that can actually have a benevolent purpose. Because sometimes it is this extreme suffering, the extreme ignorance that shakes us out of our slumber, that really causes us to, like the Kata Upanishad says, awake, arise, and fulfill the purpose of life itself, fulfill the purpose of your freedom, right? Your path to freedom, your walk to freedom itself. And this purpose is, you know, slowly, slowly gained by understanding, right, this second klesha of asmita. Asmita is the false sense of I, right? The same idea of mind, only mind, only body. That idea of turning a blind eye to our purity of our consciousness, right? That there is an aspect of ourselves that is pure, right? That is um, able to give uh, one's in, inspiration and, and motivation to continue to, you know, address this mystery, address the unknown. And it's this asmita, this false sense of I, the ego, right? Strong ego attachment, either, you know, you can say it can be either extreme, either extreme insecurity, right? Or the extreme, uh, you know, security within I, that I am so wonderful, I know, I am the one who can show the way even, right? And it's this I that makes one extremely allergic to change, extremely allergic to the perceptions and ideas of others. And it really begins to rationalize what we call as raga and dvesha. Raga is our attachments and dvesha is our aversions, our likes and dislikes. So we rationalize, you know, we create these wonderfully woven stories about who we are and why we are and wonderful creations of our own self and 
you know, image of our own self. Even God is in our image, right? I don't know if we are in God's image, but God is definitely in our image. And uh, we create we create these falsehoods and then we try to make everyone believe them as well, right? We try to make everyone on come onto our team, so to speak, and uh, create division amidst ourselves, amidst our commonality. Right, and it's this rationalization of raga and dvesha. Raga and dvesha, right? These are the next two kleshas, the next two obstacles to our sattvic nature, the sattva aspect of our of our being. Raga, right? Really uh, stimulated by this, um, you know, the rajas, the the very active part of of prakriti, active part of our nature, right? all the desires to grasp objects of our pleasure, you know, and how much raga demands that we take pleasure as our resting ground. Pleasure is our default, right? It's where we are always going to whenever we are dissatisfied, discontent. How can we, you know, further our own excitement in this world and I'm not against pleasure I'm not against even pleasure seeking I love to cook wonderful foods and be very much enjoying through the senses but all we are saying right through the yoga path is be aware be aware is pleasure your only resting ground if it is then danger watch out, be careful. Is there another resting ground, right, that you can go into, that you can retreat into, that is disconnected, right, or that is devoid of these kleshas, that can you find that place within yourself? Because it is there, You don't have to develop it. We just have to create the right conditions for it to arise, and if we can create those right conditions for it to arise, then the hold, the shackles of these kleshas become more and more uh, like, you know, a dream. They, they start to lose their solidity because we stop believing that they are true and that they are the only thing that constitute this person, this kushi. Hmm? So this raga, right, this raga, this dvesha also, both are very memory-driven, right? They are the accumulations of our past, our samskaras, all the habit patterns and deep patterns, the vasanas, right, deeply, deeply stored within our unconscious, subconscious mind known as the chitta, right? And then... The same with our dvesha, right? The aversion. Now, if raga sees pleasure as its resting ground, then dvesha sees pain as its resting ground. Pain becomes the status quo. And it's this strong desire, right, to eliminate the object of our hatred. But really, raga, this craving, rag, right, it comes first because if we have a craving, if we have a desire, an attachment to one things, that's a preference that means that we are not, we have a dislike towards another thing. And that dislike is dvesha, 
right? It's kind of the, the child of raga, right? It's a, it results in that complete lack of tolerance, tolerance for others, tolerance for other ways of being, and it really drains our inner brilliance, this sattvic nature of the mind, right? And the final klesha, right, is abhinivesha. Abhinivesha is really, you can say, the fear of termination, right? And what is the ultimate termination is death itself. And in the Yoga Sutras, right, Patanjali says that fear of death rides the consciousness of even the wise. So even if you have a strong understanding of your own nature, strong practice, a, a practice, a spiritual practice as your resting ground, the fear of death is a shadow that always is with us. We cannot get rid of it, right? And the fear of death, and the opposite of that, fear of death just means clinging to life and inability to let go and to let go, to surrender this life, to surrender this body, to surrender this personality, this I, right? And this affliction of Inivesaha has really penetrated each and every aspect of our lives in all directions, right? So it really causes so much destruction, a very subtle destruction, because when we are born, because of the way that society is structured and because of the way that modern life is structured, there is a constant underlying fear that one day we will cease to exist. The concept of death, of dying, the rituals around death and dying, the conversations around death and dying are non-existent in today's society. Only when the event occurs do we have some time for reflection and often fear that one day we too will pass away. And then we quickly, that avidya comes in so quickly to cover up right, that truth, and to make us forget. That forgetfulness is really the very kind of, you know, sneaky and malicious way that avidya works to make us forget these moments of insight, these very strong, clear, sattvic, right, hits from our own spiritual wisdom pool. And that avidya comes in, and erases that memory, erases that potential within us to start to wake up, start to arise from, from ignorance itself. So it's the Abhinivesa is this really strong, you know, you can say tightrope between wanting and not wanting, wanting to live, not wanting to live, wanting to be a part of the world, not wanting to be a part of the world, right? If you feel yourself really caught between these two, it's really abhinivesaha at work, right? You're not sure, right? There's a, there's a confusion of, right, where you belong in this world, if you belong in this world, as you are, who you are. And the closer we are to death, right, the more acute our awareness of 
whom it is that we love and whom it is that we hate. And it is this moment of death. The more, the closer, the closer, the closer we get to this moment, the more rigid our raga and dvesha become, our likes and dislikes. You know, the more rigid we are about who enters, you know, our circle and who is outside our circle. And this affliction, right, it's, it's really jara. Jara is really that which breaks us down, right? This deterioration of the self, deterioration of the physical body, but even deterioration of our potential. So this is why it's very important, you know, that we inspire the youth, the young generation. And actually, I feel that they also are inspiring us. So many of them are awakening, awakening so early, early, early on, because that is the time when we have strong prana shakti, right? Strong energy to face the kleshas. As we get older, as we get more bound, to our uh, afflictions and the ways of our mind, our samskaras begin to dictate who we are and how we are, how we act, how we think, then it's very difficult for us to face what we need to at the time of death. And this is really what yoga prepares us for, this final moment, this final moment where we are faced with who we are in really the, you can say, the most dire way. All the actions, all the karmas, all the fruits of those karmas, right? Everything comes to the very forefront of our minds. And of course, that comes to the forefront, which is strongest, the strongest samskaras, the strongest habits, whether it's hatred or anger or resentment or doubt or insecurity, right? They are there in the moment that we are passing. And what a mind to hold. What a mind to have in the most important moment of our life, right? That we can choose right now to prepare for those final moments. Every moment is a preparation for death. Every moment is a death. Every moment is a birth. Every moment is impermanence. Every moment is suffering. Every moment is samsara, the wheel of life and death and how we are caught in it. Each and every moment is a moment for liberation as well, a moment to awaken, a moment to see it clearly, and a moment to really inherit inherit our you know, our birthright of our sattvic nature of light, of wisdom, of buddhi. So you can decide. The decision is always yours. You have that power. You have that responsibility. You have that right. That decision is your right. So I really encourage all of you, please, 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 Make that decision for yourself. Please make your mind your friend so that we can really begin to usher in the Satya Yuga, the age of enlightenment, and help those caught in the mire of ignorance, help each other when we are caught in the mire of ignorance to come out, to be free, 
to be successful on our path. Thank you so much. And I really wish you all the wisdom, all the energy to face these kleshas, to face your ignorance and the enthusiasm to infuse your life with joy. This is really what Tantra teaches us. Infuse the senses with joy. Enjoy the things of the world in a loose way as garments to be cast off later on. And take pleasure in your own awakening, finding your own way and helping each other step by step. Thank you so much. Really a warm thank you to all of those who tuned in for today's episode of Atha Yoga Anusasanam. If you like what you heard, maybe you'll consider subscribing to this podcast as well as donating so that future episodes can occur. You can donate via PayPal at www.paypal.me backslash kushyoga, K-H-U-S-H-Y-O-G-A, or via Venmo at kushyoga. If you'd like to share with me your thoughts and suggestions about this podcast, if you have any questions for me or suggestions for future episodes of Atha Yoga Anushasanam, please feel free to email me at pushyoga at gmail.com. As always, please stay in touch. You can do so via Instagram at pushface. We have some free yoga and meditation on my YouTube channel at Kush Yoga, as well as my website, www.kushyoga.com. Until next time, my friends, it's been a real pleasure. I'm your host, Kushi Malhotra, and let's see what happens next. Bye-bye.